This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Philippians 1 verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What I want to do is I'm going to do a little bit of an introduction this morning and kind of lead into that. So when we were raised, it's, we, we were raised in an, in an interesting environment because the thing is we were raised really with a lot of privilege. We didn't always appreciate it until we got older. But we, we really didn't need to do terribly much. We had people who took care of the home, people who cooked for us. We had people who drove us around. We had people who took care of the garden. Everything was just taken care of. And then we moved to the state. But we used to not only live in suburbia, but we moved to the states, but we also moved out to the country. And so things were very different for us. And it was interesting because my paradigm shifted dramatically. You see, the thing about it is, we don't always realize it, but our context for life gets established. And when our paradigm changes, we're not always necessarily equipped to walk into that. And the thing is, because I hadn't had to do a lot of stuff before, the thing is, I wasn't equipped to do things. Not only was I not necessarily equipped to do it, but I was blind to things. I didn't see certain things that needed attention. I didn't see certain things that needed to be done, because I've never had to do it in my life. People took care of it. It just happened. And so it was interesting because you came into a different paradigm and suddenly you realized how ill-equipped you were to handle stuff. And the thing is, it's even more pronounced when you move to a country setting because in a country environment, there's a lot of stuff that needs attention. There's a lot of stuff that needs care. And the fact of the matter is you're really well-equipped when you live out in the country and you know how to operate equipment. I used to talk about driving equipment, and then I was quickly told, you don't drive equipment, you operate equipment. I didn't know anything about that stuff. I still don't know anything about that stuff. The thing is, you find yourself in that place, and all of a sudden, there's demands that are placed on you that sits and says, okay, I need you to do some stuff here, and you realize that I'm not really equipped to do that stuff. And you feel as though you're kind of underwater a little bit. It's in that context that... Fortunately, I found grace. And grace came with a name. Steve. (laughs) Steve was grace. You see, when you don't know some stuff, you don't know how to do some stuff. And the thing is, when you're out there and all of a sudden a tree falls down, you sit and think, gee, the tree fell down. And it's like, well, that's the wrong thought. The right thought is the tree fell down, so let's go and sort it out and get rid of it. The problem with it is I saw it fell down, but now what am I supposed to do? And Sarah was like, take the chainsaw. And I was like, the what? She was like, get the chainsaw out and go. I was like, well, I don't even think we have a chainsaw. I don't think I could spell chainsaw. But Steve comes in and Steve says, okay, let me explain this to you. Let me show you how this works. 
This is called a chainsaw. This is how it works. This is what it needs. This is where you put the oil in. This is where you put the fuel in. You've got to make sure that it's a mixture. When you go out and you're going to cut this tree down, make sure you don't want to get the blade in the dirt. So I'm learning all of this stuff because grace came into my life. I was able to walk into some stuff that I couldn't walk into before because I never had the ability to do some stuff, but grace came in and did some stuff for me that I couldn't do. And suddenly my paradigm for life began to shift and began to change a little bit because I realized that I can, real, I can walk into some realities that I wasn't equipped to handle before. If you've got to put some stuff in the ground and you've got to do some drains and stuff... I'm ready to dig it up. And Steve's like, we're not digging this up. He's like, go and get the backhoe. And I'm like, what? I mean, where I came from, you don't use language like that. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what is that? And he's like, it's this really big thing, but we're going to get the mini version. And I was like, I thought that was the big version. And he comes up, but it does everything that it needs. And you know what? It made my life so easy because I can't do that stuff. But when I have somebody like Grace that walks in, that brings everything necessary, it takes it above and beyond anything that I could possibly imagine. And suddenly I find that the trench is dug in eight minutes where it would have taken me 18 days. Because Grace came in. I want to speak to you this morning about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The biggest challenge I think we have in Christianity is that we have very little personal engagement with God. We have very little personal dealings with Him. We know a lot about stuff. The thing about it is, if you want to know anything about God, you can be so happy. Because you know what? You can go and pick up a TED Talk. Go and get a podcast. It'll teach you anything that you need to know about God. Anything, any vast subject, put it in. It'll give you something that you need to know. And if you don't find it there, you can always Google it. And we come into spaces and we love it because we discover community. And community is so nice because we have like-minded people. People who have an appreciation and a love for God. And people who can minister into our lives. And people that we can feel comfortable with. And people that share the same value set as who we are. So we love community. We, we like it when we have people who can speak into our lives. Life coaches that can take the things of the word and impart them to us and sit and say, God has a plan and a design for your life. And this is where he wants to take you and this is what it's going to look like. And we're learning and we're assimilating all of this stuff on an ongoing basis. We get ourselves into home cell groups because in home cell it's like I can actually connect with people and I can ask questions and we can sit and we can deliberate and we can begin to to take the word apart into little pieces and talk about it. And we've developed a whole culture, a whole generation of Christians that know more about God than how to walk with God. You can ask them almost anything you would like, and they'll have a response for you. We know so much about God. The question is, do we know how to walk with God? The foundation of our lives all too often is established by what we know, as opposed to a partnership with him. 
And so when we walk into circumstances and situations, what usually ends up happening is we, we operate and, and we deal with the situations in our life from what, the perspective of what I know as opposed to dealing with it through the paradigm of power. Use your best guess. In the situation, take what you know, take your understanding and begin to operate in that environment and do something in that environment that creates the, the pathway for you to walk through it. We take even spiritual principles and we begin to apply spiritual principles in that context. The question that I have for you is, to what degree do you lean on your relationship with him? To what degree do you ease into your partnership with the Holy Spirit to sit and say, where are we going? Speak to me about where I am. Speak to me about the direction. Speak to me about what it is that you're looking for me to do because I'm looking for your influence in the situation. I think most Christians are really looking to meet with God and to live from that space. Just to meet with God and to live from that space. If you're one of those people I've got some wonderful news for you this morning. Do you know what? God is alive. He rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. This is not simply some historic fact. It's not something that we assimilate into our doctrine and we recognize the fact that he rose from the dead. It's something far more consequential than that. It's something that carries with it much bigger promise for who you are. The reason that John the Baptist was walking through the wilderness and in Mark chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his way straight. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, Prepare your hearts for a new way of living. What he was saying was, the great I am is about to become accessible to you. What he was saying was, the great I am, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of everything is coming and he's going to be announced and he's going to present himself to you because he's going to want relationship with you. I never had that up until that point. It was something new. The invitation that he was extending to them was a reality and a paradigm shift that said, realize God that you're aware of and the God who is up there, the all-powerful, the almighty, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, everything that you need him to be is suddenly coming to a space where he's sitting saying, I want you to understand and walk into a paradigm of what it is for you and me to partner in the way that we walk through life. And it's going to shift everything. the most important thing that happened at our salvation was that the power of the Holy Spirit moved into your life. And he came into your life because only he can introduce us to relationship. Only he is the one that can bring us to a place where we can live out of intimacy of communion with him. Are you with me this morning? Are you just thinking harder? Are you sleeping? Or are you? I just want to make sure you're here. We are going somewhere. Just stick with me. We're going somewhere. <clears throat> Where was I? The Holy Spirit. What is he doing? Yes. So the Holy Spirit comes into our life because that's what he's wanting to introduce us to. 
without the Holy Spirit, we never get to the place where we actually become partakers of his divine nature in reality. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we get to do that. I want to talk a little bit about partakers of his divine nature. There are some things that have a source and are not multiple in supply, not available all over the place. If you talk about life and power, there is only one source for life and power, which is God. There is only one source of life and power. You can't find it anywhere else. The devil does not have life or power. He's the great deceiver, but he doesn't have life or power. Life and power are two of the things that characterize who God is. And because they characterize who God is, God is the source of those things. I'm happy that it's getting cooler. Because... When it's springtime, we burst into the garden with much enthusiasm and we start doing a whole bunch of stuff because you have spring fever and spring fever kind of grabs a hold of you and you get out and you do a whole bunch of stuff. But the thing is, spring fever after about three days turns into summer solstice. And summer solstice is not the same as spring fever. That stuff that has to get done, but when it's about 95 degrees outside and about 100% humidity, it's not that much fun doing it. The point is, when you're out there and you're slogging and you're working and you're doing all you need to do, you need to get refreshed. And when you're fresh, all you really want is a good drink. We live off well water. So the way that we have access to well water is through a tap. So when you're really at that place, you want to get a tap. Because you see, the tap is the source of refreshment. And when you find the tap, what ends up happening is what comes out of the tap is what refreshes. And you suddenly go, man, I feel so much better. I feel I can go for another 15 minutes. (laughs) The thing about it is, if you're in a place where you're out with the kids and you're out and you, you are doing one of their football games, there's no access to a tap. There's no access to a source of what I need. And so the problem with it is, I can't generate that refreshment in and of myself. I've got to find that refreshment somewhere. God is the only one who can supply life and power. It is part of his nature. And what he's saying is the reason that I've moved into your life, because I want you to become a partaker of my divine nature. What he's saying is, as you walk through life and as you experience life, I'm offering you the opportunity to come to the well of power and life. Anytime you need power and life in a situation, we don't have the ability to generate it in and of ourselves. So we go to him so that I can become a partaker of his divine nature. So that I can, from my very belly, let rivers of living water flash and flow into my life. Principle number one, when you're looking for life or power, you're only going to find it in him. If you're in a situation or a circumstance right at the moment and you need life or power, you're not going to find it anywhere apart from the source. The challenge we often have is that although we know that to be true, we find ourselves in an interesting space because... 
Hold on. Let me just do, I want to do one point before I get to that. Hold on, I was going to do something else. He wants to do some stuff in our life, but that becomes an important principle. Say, he wants to do something in my life. Okay, you said it. He heard it from your lips. I was raised in a very traditional church. Like, really traditional. And my dad was not very happy. Because the problem with it is, although they had pretty solid doctrine, it was somewhat selective, but it was pretty solid. The challenge with it was that they never evidenced the power. So he went on a mission to go and find the power. And he discovered a church that evidenced the power. And so we left that church and we went to another church. And the church that we went to was a church that was very much in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And you know what happened? A lot. (laughs) You see, when the Spirit arrives, things happen. When the Spirit arrives, people were healed. There were miraculous healings. Like dramatic stuff. Not my ear was itchy and it's not itchy anymore. I'm talking about serious consequential things. Life and death realities for people that were transformed. People were delivered and set free. Things changed. The the thing about it is it started to infuse and started to breed in people a sense of excitement and anticipation for what Sunday was supposed to be and what it was going to be like and what it could look like and what was going to happen on Sunday. Why? Because the Spirit was there. What happened was when the Spirit began to manifest, people had encounters with him in tremendous ways. And lives were changed as a result of that. I believe that that's the place that we need to go back to. We need to get back to the demonstration of the power. We need to get back to the place where the Holy Spirit moves in ways that are dramatic and profound, where people have encounters with him. Having said all of that, let me say this. He's going to have an encounter with you and he will meet you at a space of encounter. But his intention is to always introduce us to relationship. Don't live in encounter. Move to relationship. You can always tell Christians who live in encounter. You know what ends up happening? I'm always having a look for what's going on around me. I quickly, I want to run over here because I hear something is coming. Oh, I hear that there's a seminar over there, so we run over there because who knows what the Holy Spirit's going to do. They're running all over the place. I'm not against putting yourself in a space where the Holy Spirit is going to move and do some dramatic stuff. That's wonderful. But what I do want you to do is I want to introduce you to the truth that he's more interested in relationship than encounter. You see, when you have him on the inside of you, he will introduce you to a place of stability, a place of strength, and a place of maturity. And from that paradigm, I can live and introduce encounters into my life. That is a healthier and mature place to live from. God will meet us in encounters, but he wants to introduce us to relationship. We need him in our life. Only he can do that. I said he intentionally. Because some of us have a different paradigm and we find it hard to really grasp who the Holy Spirit is. 
God the Father we kind of know because he's the creator. He's the one up in heaven. He is like, he makes, he is Elohim. He's the big dog. Jesus we get because Jesus came to earth. There's historical references to him. We read the Bible. We understand what Jesus did. We understand he walked here. He lived here. Three years of ministry, died, rose from there. We get Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the thing is the Holy Spirit for a lot of people is a little bit like, yeah, he's like a ghost who wanders around. How we perceive him is very important. I'll tell you why. Because if we perceive him incorrectly, what ends up happening is I can't walk into relationship with him. You see, Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit as him and he. He did that intentionally. His point of reference for the Holy Spirit was always as a person. Why did he do that? Because personality undergirds relationship. There is no relationship without personality. You cannot have relationship with a thing. You cannot have relationship with an it. You have to have relationship with something that has personality. So what are the attributes of personality? The Holy Spirit thinks. He has ideas. If you meet with the Holy Spirit, he'll introduce you to the mind of Christ. What is he saying? I'm taking you and I'm introducing you to truth. There are perspectives that I want to give you in the reality within which you find yourself. Have you ever consulted me about what I think about that space? He has thoughts and he's happy to share them. He has feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can welcome the Holy Spirit where he begins to move to a place where he feels and expresses a sense of love and joy. The Holy Spirit feels things. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit will always introduce you to truth and invite you into truth. He will express his will to you in circumstances and situations. He has the attributes of personality because personality becomes important. It's the foundation to relationship. You see, I have a relationship with Sarah because she's a person. I can't have a relationship with the post. We share and we talk and we have ideas and we get to know. And our lives are strengthened and enlarged because of the interaction between the two of us. She has feelings. I know what motivates her in certain ways. I know when she's upset. I know when she's angry. I know when she's happy. Because she has, that's who she is. And it's a, it's, a, it's a living dynamic interaction because you're reading things all the time and you're taking in and you're giving out and things are happening because we're living in relationship. She has will and preferences and things that she would like to do. And she's always right, except for those times when she disagrees with me. <laughs> But she has a will. She can choose what she wants to do. And in the context of all of those things, we are navigating a space and we're learning and we're growing together. I don't get to have that with something that's a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person and he wants to introduce himself to you in that context. He wants you to come to a place where it's not just he's there out there somewhere, but he's somewhere who wants to share with you and wants you to share with him. He wants to express to you how he feels about you. 
And he wants to feel welcome in your life and in your situations. I think sometimes we have a very narrow perspective of our relationship with God. And we have confines and paradigms in place that aren't necessarily, that are quite restrictive. I was speaking to the staff about this the other way, the other day. The funny thing is, in our relationship with God, we always want to go deep. You know that. Everyone says, we want to go deep. And really what that means is, it's not a criticism of that space. What they're really saying is, I'm looking for that space of real intimacy with him, so I know him intimately and personally. And so it's not a criticism of that space. But the thing is, as a father, I love it when my kids come to me and they sit and say, Dad, i got to struggle. Talk to me, share with me. Give me some truth. Give me something that will help me out of the space. And I love that because they're inviting me into their lives and let me con- uh, contribute and participate in that space. But you know what? What? Some of my happiest times are when I've got goofy Colton. And some of my happiest times are when Vivi's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And some of the happiest times is when Carter's got his quirky sense of humor that can make you laugh about anything. It's not because it's always so deep. God wants to be part of every part of our life. Don't just leave him at a space where it's like, you know what? When things hit the fan, I'm coming to find you because we want to go deep. He wants to laugh with you and have fun with you. And you know what? He's got a better sense of humor than you do. (laughs) The invitation is to invite him into your life, not into a space. Bring him into who you are and let him experience all of that. The times where we need him the most And the times where he's most consequential is when we come to those places in our life where it's like, I don't know how to get through the situation. I've got a challenge. I've got a struggle. I've got something that's confronting me where I am right now, and I don't know how to migrate from where I am to a place of success, to a place of victory, to a place of overcoming. And it's right in that context to sit and say, I want to find him. It's okay. It's good. He looks for that. What we're really saying is, how do I find enduring power in that space? How do I find what it is that I can get from you so that I can move through the space? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Sorry, don't go to Ephesians because you'd be in the wrong book. Philippians 1 verse 19. It says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul was going through some tough stuff. If you think your Christianity is going to be easy and God promises you an easy life, he never said that. He said, in all things, you are more than a conqueror. What he was saying was, if you want to be a conqueror, you're going to have to go through some stuff. So Paul's sitting saying, I'm going through some stuff. But you know what? Don't worry about the stuff. What he's saying is, in all of this stuff through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I'm going to be okay. He's talking about the power that sustains him. When it talks about the Spirit of Jesus Christ, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. The reason that they call it the Spirit of Jesus Christ is because the Holy Spirit gives the power so that we can realize the Word of God. The Holy Spirit empowers the word of God so that it moves to its place of fulfillment. 
That's why it's the spirit of Jesus Christ. So what you can really say is, Paul is sitting saying, if I'm looking for sustaining power, what I'm really looking for is, I'm looking for a supply from the Holy Spirit. So what is supply? The word supply in the original Greek means on behalf of the choir. See, now I've got your attention. On behalf of the choir. In classical Greek, what happened was this. You had a group of people, and they were all singers. And they decided to put on a production, and it would be a grand big affair, and a grand big production. And they would take this production, and they would travel around, and they would do it in front of audiences all over the place. And so they spent months preparing, months rehearsing, months getting everybody to a place where they were honed, and they were ready, and all of who they were, and what they were about, and what they could contribute. All of it was taken, and over months of work and preparation, they got to the place where they were ready to go out. They were ready to release the production. It was going to be a big, grand affair. And they got to that space only to discover that they didn't have enough money. All the work, all the effort, all the time, all the investment to get to the point where they all sat there and said, there's nothing more we can give to get the show on the road. And it was at that place where a very wealthy man stepped into their life and made a contribution that was so excessive that they couldn't spend all of it even on all of their travels. That's where we get the word supply from. If you find yourself in a situation and you're going through some stuff, and you've put all your effort and all your time, everything that you can do into making stuff happen. If you find yourself in a relationship that you feel as though you've hit a dead end, and you've done everything that you can. If you find yourself at a place right now where the challenges and the struggles in front of you, you've done everything that you can possibly can to get to the place of resolution and overcoming, only to discover at the end of all of that, I'm still stuck in it. What Paul is saying is this. The Holy Spirit wants to step into your life. And he wants to make a contribution so exceedingly abundantly on your behalf that it'll move you to the next chapter, to the next space. It'll take your life from where you are and do something on your behalf. What he's saying is the supply of the Holy Spirit is available to do something on my behalf that I cannot do. If it looks like your dreams have come to an end, that dead end place is very often the space where victory begins. When you've done all that you can do, it brings us to a place where we sit and say, I can't do any more. I need somebody to step into my life and do something for me. I need somebody who's prepared to step into my situation and make an exceedingly large contribution on my behalf that can do something for me. That's what Paul's talking about. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. 
That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But how do I do this? How do I get to that place so that I can experience what he has available to me? It's really important. That we live it from a place of relationship with him. When you come to the end of the road and you hit the dead end, is very often the place where our spiritual life starts. Our natural disposition is to try and do everything that I can do before I go to God. But he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. He's waiting there for you. What he's looking for is he's looking for us to get to the place where we sit and say, I'm wanting that place of communion with you, Holy Spirit. I recognize that I have a responsibility if I'm wanting to move into a space with you, to move into intimacy with you, to move into that place where I begin to to maneuver my life so that I can sit and spend time with you. And out of that, as a partner, you'll begin to speak to me. That's what you want. I've got to get a voice. I've got to get a word from him. If you don't have a word from him, we don't have any spiritual armory to go into battle with. That's the challenge. If you have a look at Ephesians, now you can go to Ephesians. If I can find it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word, the rhema of God. The problem with it is, we just want to do in situations what makes sense to us. We don't want to take the time to go and get a revelation from him. What he's saying is, anytime you live from what makes sense to you, what you're deferring to is you're sitting saying, I want to do those things that is, that is dependent on my understanding. What he's saying is, I don't want your understanding. I know what your understanding can do. I want you to come to a place where you sit and say, I want to do something of your word. Your word says, I'm going into partnership with you. Speak to me, Holy Spirit, because I don't know how to navigate the space. I need something from you, particularly about my situation, specifically about what, this, what is going on right now. And you hold on there, and you don't move from that space until you get something from him. Why? Because when you get something from him, what he's just given you is the sword of the spirit. You need the sword of the spirit if you're going into spiritual battle. It's no good sitting. The problem with so many Christians is we don't have a weapon. So what we end up doing is, rather than using the sword of the spirit, which is something that God has given me, the Holy Spirit has given me a specific word for my situation, we default to our understanding. And our understanding says, fine, go and find all the scripture verses you can on whatever it might be, and now you just stand here and you regurgitate them. And blah, 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 Amen. The challenge with it is there's nothing wrong with the scripture. The scripture is good. The scripture is vital, but the scripture is there to introduce us to him. And unless it leads us to him and allows him to speak into our situation, I'm operating on what I think he should be doing. I'm operating out of assumption rather than relationship. I think it's the challenge that we have so often is that we're well-intentioned Christians, but we're presumptuous 
rather than relational. We go ahead with good intentions rather than waiting to find out what it is that he wants to do. Our understanding is not as important as relationship. Do you know, in my Bible, when I have a look at things, you know what the crazy reality is? I don't find a single instance of anybody going to Jesus saying, can you please touch my life, touch somebody's life, who, whatever it might be, and Jesus turns around to them and says, tell me what you think. <laughs> Not once. He's never asked a single person, what do you think? What did he say? He defaulted to the area of belief. What he said is, what's in your heart? What is in your heart? This is a big one. What you know about Jesus is not as important as what you believe about Jesus. You can know a whole bunch of stuff, but what you know about Jesus is rooted in content. What you believe about Jesus is rooted in power. The reason he didn't ask people what they thought is because your thoughts are inconsequential when it comes to a power equation. What's in your heart? Only believe. He goes straight to power. We've got to have a word from him. Because when we have a word from him, it introduces us to power. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus goes across and the lake and he gets to the other side. And there are 5,000 people waiting for him. They want to hear what he has to say. I'm like, if anybody comes to collect me at the airport. It's just a joke. Just seeing if you pay attention. He got across. And he got to the other side. And his disciples come to him and they say, we've got a little bit of a problem here, Jesus. We've got 5,000 people. Um, I think we should send them away because they need to eat. And what does Jesus say to them? Jesus says, feed them. Really? You've got to get the picture. They're standing there. They have nothing with 5,000 people. And he says, feed them. They went and found somebody, a little boy, who had five loaves and two fishes, and they brought it to Jesus. And he prayed over it, and he gave it to the, to the disciples, and he said, go and give it to the people. They got a word from him. They got a word from him. And in that space, they had a decision to make about what they wanted to do. And they took it, and not Jesus, the disciples started to break the bread and the fish. What ended up happening is, what ended up happening, the Holy Spirit came into that space and made a contribution on their behalf, which was so much bigger than anything they ever needed, so that the word that Jesus had spoken, the power necessary to make that happen, kicked in, and all of a sudden 5,000 people were fed. Get a word from him. When you get a word from him, what you can do is it'll introduce you to a space where you can stand in a, in, a, in a place where all of a sudden who you are and how you feel will change. When he's spoken into your life, I talk from a different place. I live from a pl- different place. I feel from a different place. I'm more confident from a different place because I don't my, care what's happening around about me because I know what he's told me. The reason that the Holy Spirit moves into that space and begins to and fulfills that word and makes a contribution on your behalf beyond anything that you can imagine is because he's there to fulfill the word. He's there to fulfill the word. 
He who began a good work in you will be faithful to fulfill it. Where does, his, where does it, what he's doing in your life begin? When he speaks something into your life. When he talks something into your life. When you get something about your kids or your situation or your circumstances or your physical reality, whatever it might be. When you get something from him, what he's saying is, I'm giving you a dream. Hold on to it. Don't let your reality impair it. I will be the one who will fulfill it, not you. Can I have five minutes? If you've got to run, I know, I know some people have got appointments and stuff. I, I know Vivi's got to get to DC. I, let me just, can I just take one second commercial break? <laughs> I, I know I had to run out last week and I felt bad because I ran past a lot of you and said hi, bye, and I had to, I had to get up to DC. So it's, it was nothing personal. <laughs> but I'm glad you came back today because lots of people probably <laughs> decided not to because I was a very rude pastor. God spoke to Moses and God said to Moses, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to take Israel out of Egypt, across the wilderness and into my promise for them. And what did he do? He gave him a word. He delivered them out. He took them across. And at the point of entry into promise, they had the word of God. And what did they do? They sent spies out to go and have a look at the land. And the spies came back with a bad report. Listen to me. There's another big one. Don't get direction from your reality. Anytime you go to your reality to find direction for your life, you're going to wander astray. Your reality is not necessarily there to conform to God's idea of what it should be. Anytime you want to go into your reality and begin to explore it and cut it into pieces and dissect it and look at it and find the direction for your life, you're going to go astray. They should never have sent spies in. He didn't say anything about who. God never said, this is what you need to be concerned about. He said, that's my promise for you. Walk into the land. They should have operated on what he had instructed. Because when you operate and you live out of the word he gives you, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit takes a exceedingly abundantly as an exceeding abundant provision and puts it into your life on your behalf so that you can walk into his promises and overcome the giants and the people and the everything else that's in your way. He wasn't asking them to take care of it. What he was saying was, will you obey my word? 40 years later, they find themselves on top of a hill overlooking God's promise once again. And God says to Joshua, Joshua 1 verses 2 to 4, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. When God gives us a word, at the point of decision, we have a choice to make. When we understand the Holy Spirit wants to live and work and move in our life and in our circumstances, it gives us the opportunity to take our hands off in that situation and sit and say, I've done all that you've asked me to do and I've come to this place. And I'm living in the expectation. 
that the choir is going to sing. The way that God wants to live with us and work with us and relate to us is not very different to the way that we relate to other people in our lives. It puts us in a different place because they're not tangible, but the principles stay the same. He's accessible to us. The Holy Spirit has personality, and he wants to meet you. He wants you to share with him, and he's going to share with you. He's going to speak about your life and your circumstances and your situations, and he's going to give you a word for where you are and what his design and what his intention is. Don't run off and do your own thing. Wait till you hear from him. When you get direction and instruction from him, it'll establish something in your life that you can believe off of and act off of. It'll begin to influence your behaviors and your perspectives and your words because I'm living from what he's given me. I'm living from a rhema. God doesn't always work the way that we think. And sometimes we think that God should do something specifically. And God's looking at that saying, that is an awful idea. But if you'll just trust me, I'll take you to a better place. Don't get disappointed because your reality doesn't look like you thought it should. You've got to trust him. Trust him. You are the hands and feet of Jesus in the earth. Understand that when it comes to what God wants to do. Every, foot, every place in which your foot shall tread, I'll give it to you. They had to do something. They had to do a bit of walking, and they never did enough walking, which got them into trouble. But what God was saying was, if you do this as a result of your actions and your faithfulness, I will do that. Often in our lives, at a practical level, when you're living in relationship with God, he will speak to you that way. I don't want you to do that contract. It looks good, but it's a bad one. Be careful of those people spending time around your kids because that's not a good influence. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where relationship gets really practical. The thing with it is sometimes we, we neglect some aspects to our life and what ends up happening is there's a train smash. And then it's like, well, where is God? He should have fixed this. He should have healed. And it's like God saying, if you just listen to me, actually so much of this could have been avoided. He'll never leave you. He'll help you out of the situation. But sometimes we have to deal with the repercussions of bad decisions. We don't like to hear that in church. It's like, no, God's just going to make everything disappear. I think it's important for us in going forward to make sure that we start to develop an appreciation and a relationship with him for who he is, the Holy Spirit. God with you. God in you. Sometimes that's hard, and I'll finish on this because I know I've gone really long. Sometimes it's hard for us, particularly as an, as an American society. And the reason that I say that is because different cultures are different. American society is very production-oriented. 
So it's very much about productivity. It's about efficiencies. It's about functionality. And sometimes the, rena- the relational components to who we are are a little neglected in that. So what ends up happening is we find it hard to relate to God because we want to get functional and God wants to touch other aspects to who we are. But I don't know how to go there because those things have never been developed in who I am. So there's some cultural realities that sometimes come into things that other cultures don't have. African doesn't have a problem with that. Africa is a totally different paradigm. But a lot of places in Africa, you see tremendous, um, tremendous signs and miracles happening. And the reason for it is, is because they're very open to relationship. And they're accessible to the spirit world that way, far more than we are in many ways. It's not a bad thing. It just, it's a reality of who we are. So we just need to understand what we're navigating. Have fun with God. Don't live with your finger on the pulse. Okay, you don't have to worry about my this and my that and my growing. Just live. Just live. If he needs to do something in your life, he'll say to you, hey, you know what, let's do this. Hey, have you thought about that? Just live with him. Walk through life and have fun with him. It's too short not to. He knows that better than you. (laughs) Father, I just thank you for fun people. I thank you, for people, Father, for people who have a heart after you. I want to thank you for the word that you've given us. I want to thank you that your word introduces us to a reality and a paradigm, a context of who you are and how wonderful and how great you are. And I want to thank you, Father, that in that world, Holy Spirit is where you live. You're going to come into that space and you're going to introduce us as to how that becomes a practical reality in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situations. I pray, Father, for people who have a heart after you and who dedicate their lives this week, putting time aside to sit and say, I want to get to know the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll just meet with them in a way that is profound and dramatic. I thank you, Father, that we move to a place where we enjoy the fruit of emotion but we understand it's not the foundation with you. We love it when those things are here, but when we don't necessarily feel that, it doesn't mean you've left us. I thank you for blessing on every person. I thank you for healing. I thank you for abundance. I thank you for everything that they put their hands to prospering. I want to thank you for opportunities that you're opening up for them. I thank you for provision in every area of their life. In Jesus' precious name, amen.